Pray with me. Lord, we love you. We ask that you have your way in this place and in every home. Let your word be heard afresh. Let something said trigger new and better ways to live in this world that we may glorify you all the more. Let the words of my mouth and the very meditation of my heart be accepted on your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. This last week has been disturbing and troubling and difficult. You can't live in America and not see and wonder when will we ever get to the place where we will not have to fear or worry in the presence of some members of law enforcement. You can't be a black or brown person and not, when you see the siren go off, wonder what's going on. And so I've been praying. I was praying Pentecost. God, I'm, this is one of our favorite times here. On Pentecost Sunday, I would usually be dressed in the highest of garb. And we would be praising God and dancing and celebrating. And uh, red is our color. It's the color we wear for Pentecost. I've got on black today. Because while I am excited about the coming of the Holy Spirit, I mourn for our nation. I mourn for those businesses who are already teetering, tottering on the edge of extinction, who now have to worry about can they rebuild from the uprising. I mourn for those families who've had laws. God, where can I go for scripture to help me think afresh about life? And it dawned on me, <clears throat> that a lot of people who, who claim to be Christian are not quite what they ought to be. People who claim to be religious, not quite what they ought to be. And it caught my attention that, you know, if you think about it, some of the most partial, bigoted, racist, Groups happen to be religious. Some of the most hate-filled groups happen to be religious. And God, what they have done in the name of their religion is just scary. And Christians have been some of the worst. Because we, sometimes Christians, and I said we, and I took my we back because I'm not a part of that group. I'm, I'm a different kind <laughs> In the name of Jesus, things have been done that Jesus would not recognize. Acts chapter 19 gives us a very interesting story. So stay with me today because I want to talk about it. In Acts 19 verse 1 through 7, there's this story as the apostle arrives. And here in verse 1 and 2, in the Message Bible, I'm going to skip to about midway. He says, the first thing he said was, 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? This is the Message Bible. Did you take God into your mind only? Or did you also embrace him with your heart? Did he get inside of you? Were you, we've never even heard that a Holy Spirit, God within us. You mean you, you never heard of it? We've never even heard of it. I want to talk from this theme, Holy Breath. Holy breath. This last week, the uprisings that have gone on were started by what took place with an officer kneeling, putting his knee upon the neck of George Flood. He puts his knee on his neck, but it's not the first time we've seen life choked out of someone. Eric Garner in New York City, both men face down on the ground. George Flood, Eric Garner, both said them those immortal words of horror, I can't breathe. And each lay dying in the street. They're not the only ones. You need to know their names today. You need to remember them. You need to know Eric Garner. You need to know Michael Brown shot in Ferguson. You need to know Walter Scott. You need to know Freddie Gray in Baltimore. You need to know Sandra Bland. You need to know Philando Castile. You need to know Ahmaud Arbery. You need to know Breonna Taylor. You need to know them because they lost their lives just trying to breathe, just trying to exist in the world, just, just trying to make it. I, I think we need to know it because this world needs something different. What's amazing, if one reads the Bible real closely, there are so many places where the word breathe and breath of God and breathing come in. It, it's so many places. And it's really interesting that in John 20, when Jesus is coming by to meet with his disciples post his resurrection, it says he comes inside. And then the Bible says that Jesus breathed upon them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. He breathed upon them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. Today, we celebrate the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the Hagion Numa. In English terms, it's the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit are, are complete synonyms. They're the same thing. And we celebrate it today. You know, it's important that one realize that pneuma refers to the breath. It's the animating power of life. Now we deal with this. As you think about it, in the book of Acts, there, there the Holy Spirit is lifted up as that wonderful life principle of the church and the early church is born 
into being and comes into being because of the Holy Spirit. There are five outpourings of the Holy Spirit right in the book of Acts. Acts 2 is the first one, the day of Pentecost. Acts 4, Acts 8, Acts 10, and then again here in Acts 19. What seems to be interesting to me is that here in Acts 19, this last one in the book, the fifth one, Paul comes up and he meets what they describe as disciples. And he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you first believed? What he seems to be intimating is that they are believers, but they have an unfinished relationship with God. They've embraced religion, they've embraced the concept of God, but not the spirit that moves it. Barclay calls this the, they, they are incomplete Christians. And, and the text tells us that incomplete Christians, you know, you, 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 you're there, you could be thinking about God, but you don't have what it takes to really live a godly life. I believe, this may not sound right to some people, but I believe, that people who function on the level of racism, classism, sexism, homophobism, xenophobia of any kind are really just incomplete Christians. They're, they're people who re don't realize that there are no partialities in God. They don't see through the divine lens that God loves people. That God loves everyone. If the story of the Good Samaritan tells us anything, it's a story of a critique on the religious community because in that story, it's the religious folk, the good folk, the priest and the Levite who walk by the person on the road. It is the Samaritan, someone that is the lost, least left out and left behind that goes and he picks him and lifts him and takes his own resources to restore him. And I think the great critique on the church in this hour now may be our silence and the complicity of silence as we have watched some of you, you watched your members go out and commit atrocities with hoods on and then come back to church and act like everything's okay. You want to bless mess. The reality is that our world is like it is because good people won't talk truth. Silence is as deadly as the disease itself. And now we are in the middle of a pandemic. We are trying to get people to practice good social distancing. And at the same time, we are trying to reopen the economy. And now we have to fight the second virus of racism again. And just like this virus of COVID-19, there is no vaccine for this virus of racism. It's hard to vaccinate against stupidity. It's hard to vaccinate against ignorance. It's hard to vaccinate against something that is embedded in folks' DNA that they talk about. This is my land. Make America great again. Well, America hasn't always been great for everybody. 
it should shock people that Native Americans have been disproportionately affected by the COVID-19 crisis and they live, many of which live on reservations that have no running water to do the one thing that you told them would help save their lives, wash their hands. But yet you'll run a pipeline right down the middle of their sacred lands, right across the graves of their ancestors where you... Yeah, this crisis has lifted up the disparities. It's amazing that in many states where black and brown people make up minorities, they make up majorities in new cases of COVID-19. The problem we have now is that we've got people who claim to be of faith that don't care about anybody that doesn't look like them. And in some cases, we've got people of faith who care but they have not wanted to risk anything for their caring. They care, they see it, but they don't want to risk anything. I can't let anybody know I see it. And I say, this is my theology. I, I, I will not cower behind it or hide from it. I simply say that any Christian who's still functioning at the level of any phobia or partiality or bigotry towards anyone is functioning at the level of an incomplete Christian. Lord, what's the greatest commandment? That you would love your neighbor as you love yourself. Would you have had your knee on the neck of your son? Would you have held it there for two minutes after he stopped breathing? The text tells us three things. It tells us three things. It says that, and I do believe this is important, it teaches us that we need to have a, embrace a full experience to the depth of God to get God consciousness, I do believe this. And the first of which is that we must embrace the enlightenment. We must embrace enlightenment. And I, I do believe this. I do believe that some people, hold that for just a moment, I, I believe that some people have embraced enough of God with their mind, with their intellect. Uh, and, and, and trust me, I'm going to say something that will be controversial. Thank you so much. They, they, they've embraced God with their intellect to the point where they figure they need an escape plan from earth because they know they're going to die. So in case there's a heaven, let me make a plan to get me a seat in the kingdom. Their faith has nothing to do with their life now. It has to do with their life to come. They've got just an escape plan. But 
there's some intellectual ascent, there's some enlightenment to, at the very minute level that, that they've come into realization that they need a faith, they need a God. And I, I think that's the primer primer level, and I think that, that many people start there. And, and all of us must embrace the concept that we need something above and beyond ourselves. And once we get that concept, then we discover that what we need is already within, and God wants to be able to be free to take liberties with our lives and use us for God's own glory. The second thing is we must embrace the empirical. We must embrace the empirical. I, I, I want to suggest to you that, that, that too many people want to have an intellectual relationship with God where they can keep God neatly in their minds. They can keep God neat inside of them. You know, we, 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 we went and said three this and three that, and we came and got out of church real quick. We, we, we had nothing of an experience with God. There's something about having an experience with God changes everything changes everything I, you, you, when you have an encounter with God when God moves in you in a fresh and bold way they say we haven't even heard that there be a Holy Ghost you, you, you haven't heard that there be a Holy no we haven't even heard about it and I do believe that some of these folk right now have never heard that you can experience God there's an empirical experience. There is an experience of knowing beyond the mind. At a deeper core level of your existence, there, there's an experience. I'm not talking about simply a, a new tongue, but I'm talking about a new heart because what God did at Pentecost was what God did at Sinai when God brought down the commandments of God there through fire and smoke and placed his commandments there for Moses. Then God on this occasion came down and brought again through fire and smoke, opened up and shook the house. But this time he did not write it upon tablets, but he wrote it upon their hearts, his commandments. And anybody who's had a true experience with God has had their heart touched. If you haven't had your heart touched, it's because you haven't had an experience. Something ought to be written on the tablet of your heart. You ought to be able to weep with them that weep. You ought to be able to mourn with them that mourn. You ought to be able to feel for the lost and the lonely. You, you ought to be able to care about people who are being hurt in this world. You ought to be able to care about more. And then I hear some of you cerebral half-Christians who want to get all upset over simple crap, things that don't matter because you have viewed God with your eyes only. You, you have viewed God through one lens of perfection. If, if somebody doesn't live up to your level of perfection, they can't know God. Well, you don't know who God knows. 
Because God has loved us in the midst of our imperfections and has loved us anyhow. God sees us and God knows us and God decided to get involved with us and to love us anyway. And if God only loved perfect people, he'd have nobody to love. I, I, I close. I, I, I close. But we must embrace him in the empowerment. In the empowerment. We must embrace the empowerment. We must embrace the empowerment. I, that, that's, that for me is where I need to hold my line for a moment. We must embrace the empowerment. What, what does it mean, Reverend? The Bible says that he, 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 they were baptized. The apostle looked at them and said, uh, something about to happen to you. And then he laid hands on them. And power came into them. They began to speak in new tongues. Well, I'm going to tell you all right now. When they began to speak in new tongues and prophesy, they, they were prophesying the good news and they were talking about what God would do. And, and I believe that the prophetic word that God wants to raise today is the prophetic word that Jesus raised there when he read the scriptures. And what Jesus raised was Luke 4. And Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. The setting free of the captive, the recovery of sight of the blind, what Jesus has given me prophecy for is to come and help those that have been pushed aside and pushed down and left behind. What Jesus has given me power is to speak and embrace the underdog, the underclass, those that light has seemingly not cared about. And anybody that wants to be on Jesus' side and prophesy with Jesus has to prophesy out of Luke 4, has to prophesy out of Isaiah, has to stand with the needy and the poor and the homeless and the hungry and the helpless and the hurting. They have to join the poor people's campaign of caring about somebody else. Other than that, I don't want to hear your tongue if your tongue does not lift those that have been left out. On this Pentecost Sunday, Reverend, what is holy breath? It is the breath of God. The word pneuma is, it's to breathe, it's the breathing. And I believe that the very breath of God in me is God animating my life. And with every breath I'm being animated and what they took from those men on that ground with knee and arm, whole chokehold, was they were snatching breath from life and they were taking them from this world. But thanks be to God, you can take me from this world. But if you do, I'll wake up in glory in the next world. But I don't want to have to go that way. Life ought not to leave me that way. There's something more. Don't take my holy breath. Don't take my holy breath. Don't take, don't take my, my holy breath. I need to breathe. Don't take my holy breath. I need to breathe. I need to breathe. 
John P. Key, help me out now. I just want to breathe. I just want to breathe. I am a man. I have a heart. There is so much inside of me I must impart There is someone that love me dear I can't imagine life without them being near So you can't take my life in your hands Treat me as though I'm not a common man You may never show respect to me But there's one thing you owe respectfully Just let me breathe Let me That's a God-given gift given to me. Let me breathe. Let me breathe. My life matters to my family, friends, and me. I don't admit I walk in fear Never knowing when my end is drawing near I tell my seed You must comply But now I know that that's a game called do and die so I can never put my life in your hands Allow you to treat me as though I'm not a common man You may never ever show respect to me But there is one thing Let me breathe, let me breathe, that's a God-given gift given to me, let me breathe, let me breathe, my life matters to my family, friends. 
gift given to me You may never show respect to me show respect to me so if I die at the hands of one carelessly remember my life mattered to family friends and me pray somebody hears this word if you feel like weeping I've been feeling this for days and I told you all this on Good Friday about my classmate preaching that sermon on Good Friday that brought sorrow and I wanted to know why and it was explained to me that he needed to help his audience feel and sense the pain. My prayer is that someone will find this on YouTube, Facebook, one of the streaming platforms who may not have thought through their issues and maybe they'll weep with us. I know I've had to have talk. My wife and I have had talk with our son. Every parent, godparent, has had to talk with their children, both male and female. It's the talk you don't want to have, but you know you have to have, and you start having it earlier and earlier. There's a show on Netflix, All-American, I think it is. It's a, about a young football player who goes from Compton to live out in the suburbs. And there's one major conflict between the young man living with him and his son who's been living in the suburbs his whole life. And they get stopped by police. And his son from the suburbs doesn't know how to act. He thinks that 
he's going to be treated in one way and he's treated another. And that conflict pulls out something in the father that he didn't realize was there. That he had been trying to hide his son from the reality of living in the real world. That he never had to talk with his son from the suburbs because he thought he could live his life without having those interactions. Nope. Until all of us learn to weep for one another, until all of us understand, we need to protect each other. I pray the Holy Spirit today opens up someone's heart. So let's pray. Father, we bless you. We love you. We thank you. And Lord, we know that we've brought in the spirit of weeping in this moment. But we do not weep as those that have no hope. We weep as the hopeful and not the hopeless. Because our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. Our confidence is in you. We're reminded that weeping may endure for a night. But joy is coming in the morning. We don't know how long the night will be. But we know God that you will be with us through the night. And you will bring us into the light. Give peace to your people right now. Give peace to your people right now. God, where we may have experienced the sensitivity of the sermon, release us from that now. Release us from that now. Release this nation from that now. Release us. Release us. Let us come up in our spirits. We may trust you in all things, with all things, knowing that everything is in your hands. Make a difference in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Come on, come on, saints, all over, at home, lift up, lift up, lift up. I got a feeling everything's gonna be all right. I want you to just email us here at Shiloh, at, uh, at, at Church Admin, at Shiloh Admin. It's up on the screen now. 
at shilohcomplex.org. Email us here or phone us at 860-443-6046. We will get right back in contact with you, and we will have you uh, come through us. We will take you through the process of our wonderful fellowship. You can join from wherever you are in the world and become an internet member of the Shiloh family, and we welcome you, and we'll talk to you about what it means to be a part of our internet family. Come on, join with us, become a part of this great house. I invite you to give your tithes and your offerings. I want to tell you this, if you're from another church and you are tithing to that ministry, your first obligation is to tithe at home. Your first obligation is to tithe at home. But if this ministry is feeding you and you are being encouraged and blessed by it, I want to ask you to give a gift to this house. Your first obligation is to take care of home. But if you're here and you're receiving from this ministry, I'm going to ask that you just share a gift, share a love gift with us here at the Shiloh family. We're going to go through this season. I've already told you we're not going to be back in the sanctuary in June. We will be doing what we know to do, and that is to keep you safe at home. Amen. Right now, cyber worship is safe worship, and we're going to practice safe worship. So I bless God for you, and I love you with the love of the Lord. Listen, saints, click like and subscribe on YouTube. Click like and subscribe on Facebook, and you'll get notifications when we are on the air.